Welcome to the weekly message from Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. For more information, visit us at upperroom.ca. The passage for this morning is entitled um, Jesus and the Miraculous Catch of Fish, and it's found in John chapter 21, verses 1 to 3. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and, caught and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tim Rapetsky. I have the uh, profound privilege of serving you on the elders board of this church. And uh, every once in a while, they let us talk to you directly, and it's such a joy to be in front of you. We, we continually hold you up in prayer, and it is, um, it's fantastic when I get to see your faces and speak to you all at once. Um, if you've been tracking with us, we have been working through a series called Gravity, the uh, practice of putting others first. And really what we've been talking about is the fact that the way that Jesus really calls us to live <clears throat> is hard for us to do because there's this thing called gravity that tends to weigh us down. And whether it's uh, the first week talk, we talked about uh, hospitality, having people in your home, or uh, last week Dave talked about conversation, you know, being, uh, be putting others first in your conversation. It really is a hard thing to work against gravity. There's something in us that doesn't want to do that. Well, today we're talking about generosity. And that generosity is one of these things that, if you're not careful, it's, what, it's something gravity can really take a hold of. And I know what you're probably thinking already. We're talking about generosity, so what are we going to talk about? Money, oh, money. And I want to put your minds at ease. Maybe this is your first time in church. Maybe this is your first time in a long time. And you think, of course. I'm going to come to church, and of course they're talking about money because the church always talks about money. Well, that's actually not true today. Generosity doesn't have everything to do with only money. And we'll touch on a little bit of money because where your, where your money goes, your heart goes also. But actually, when we look at what Christ told us about generosity in his word, it has a whole lot more to do with a who rather than a what. And so if you're, if you're uh, a part of um, culture today, you would know who this person is here. Who's that? That's Lady Gaga. Okay, so Lady Gaga, she's a pop singer, if, you, if you're not on uh, Twitter or IG. And uh, she's actually known as one of the more generous celebrities. And in fact, she uh, recently gave a million dollars to a hurricane relief fund and actually showed up at someone's house with a hammer and, and started helping them rebuild. And so you may think, well, that sounds really generous. And the thing about generosity is if you talk to 10 different people, well, what's a, and you ask them, well, what's a generous person look like? They're gonna tell you 10 different things. So, you know, I would think, well, well Lady Gaga, she's pretty generous. Well, then what if I told you, actually, in the last 10 years, she's amassed about $275 million. On those, that $275 million, she makes about $1.3 million a month just in interest and appreciation, on top, on, and that's not counting what she actually makes during the year. We think, well, okay, well, it's still 
It's still generous, but maybe a little bit of generous, a little bit less generous than I first thought. Maybe she's giving out of, like she could never spend that money anyway, that much money. Well, what we start to see is there's actually kind of rules and exceptions and all these things that uh, come to our mind when we think about generosity. Uh, a story from my own life, and speaking of celebrities of our own, uh, Wade from Wade and Kara, the, the, one, the couple that is serving in, uh, in Central Asia, when, back when we were in university, we went on a canoe trip. We went on a canoe trip, and if you notice, there's, uh, not only Wade is there, but if you notice there, that handsome young man, there, did anyone recognize him? That's Vijay, with that white shell necklace. How could Jen uh, even survive, right? Yeah. Well, you'll notice we did have a visitor there, right? We had a visitor. Halfway through the trip, we were on a three-day trip, a day and a half in, we had a visitor, and we actually had to split up because the campsites were big enough, and we heard from across the lake all the banging of the pots, which in, in canoe trip terms means there's a big bear somewhere or an animal of some kind. Well, sooner or later, those, that, that group of people, Wade was part of that group, came paddling across the lake to our site, and they were missing one thing, all their food. And our friend, Mr. Bear, had eaten all their food. So for, for the next day and a half, what was supposed to be for six people was now for 12 people. And I thought, you know, this is going to be great. We are the benevolent, uh, you know, people going to give our food. And as I'm eating, I'm eating half a sandwich and I'm looking at someone else and I'm thinking, I'm eating half a sandwich because I'm very generous and you're eating my other half. And so when, I, when we came home, I thought, man, do I dare feel good? It was like we got together and I got to be generous. I thought, that's not actually generous. That's not generous. That's just common decency, right? That's just, that's just being like a common person. Your friends are with you. Yes, you're not, there's nothing special about that. You're going to share your food. So it's not maybe so generous. And finally, there was a study out of the States where uh, there would be, uh, they, they put a jar of goodies, prizes, in front of a, uh, a child, and there was two scenarios. One, that, that jar was hidden from the person they were gonna give it to, and one, the, the person could see what the child was gonna give, and they could pick, the, the child could pick. Well, when the, when the child knew the person could pick, or the person could see what they're gonna pick, and if there was something better, they tend to give something better. And if they couldn't see it, the child would pick the least valued thing and give it. Meaning, well, there's some sort of benefit here that we inherently know. Well, so what does all that have to do with fighting gravity? Well, the, the fact remains that there is this thing in us that we know we're supposed to do. And in fact, if you, if you look at any of the major world religions, whether Islam, Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, you'll see that generosity is seen as something that is connected to the divine, something that we should do, but we know that is hard. And so as we've been, if you've been tracking with us, we're talking about things that are hard and the fact that as we go through life, these are things that we should be training to do, maybe not um, executing perfect, perfectly, but it's something that we, if we try and we fail, we try and we fail. These are training moments things that are very difficult to do, yet if we put our mind to them, we can do it. And so my question to you today would be, so where does this all start? And if you're a Jesus follower, maybe you go to this church or another church, or uh, sometime in the past you've been to churches, especially Sunday school, what's the first verse that you learn? 
John 3.16. And what does it say? For God so loved the world, he what? He gave. And so we have this idea that something fundamental about our faith has to do with somebody giving something. And even if you're not aware of it, your faith is based on the generosity of somebody else. And the generosity of your creator. And if you think about it, how awesome is that? That the one who created you also gave of himself. And he did that, and that's why we're, we're here today. If, he, if that hadn't have happened 2,000 years ago, where, where he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, we would not be here today talking about the things we're talking about. And so this is a gift that echoed throughout all of eternity. And it's a gift that we can be excited about, but it's also a gift that in our heart of hearts, when we, talk, when we think about this idea of living like Jesus lived, giving yourself away, because it's so much more than money. It's more than signing a check. If, if you look at Jesus' life when he lived on earth, he didn't go around handing out money to everybody. He was giving himself away. And that's what Christ calls us to do. One thing was for sure, when Jesus was uh, on the earth, people gathered around him, his disciples, crowds. And there was very little talk about money other than you should be giving money away. This isn't something you should be amassing. But what Jesus really did do was started a movement in that little area of people who wanted to do something different. And we still are following in the footsteps of those people, of followers of Jesus. And he started a movement that really did change the world. Like, could you imagine any other man that lived in public life for three short years and yet we're still talking about him today? And so he started a movement where as people followed him and followed what he was doing, their generosity, their openness, their living with an open hand, their turning towards people instead of things started to make a difference in the world around them. And so today, you may have uh, heard the scripture that, was, uh, that Martin had read for us, and it sounds kind of glum, right? It, it's, it's a story about the miraculous, uh, the miraculous uh, catch of fish. But we st I stopped it early because I wanted to leave a little bit of a cliffhanger for you. And so this miraculous catch of fish does start off in an odd way. And it, it starts off after, this is after Jesus has been crucified. And he has appeared to his disciples a couple of times before this. He's appeared to them enough that they know what they believed and what they thought was true was true. Because he said, I will be going away, but I will, I, I'm going to rise again. And when the, the day that he died, I'm sure there was all kinds of doubt, but he appeared to them. So they knew what they had believed was true, and they were glad. But what I want to submit to you today is that just at, like us today, in that time, the disciples didn't suddenly take off into the world, spreading the good news of the gospel like Jesus had told them. In fact, the chapter before this 
it says Jesus appeared and he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So he had given this instruction to say, as I lived, as, as the Father sent me to give myself away for you, I am telling you, you need to do this. And suddenly we find ourselves on a cold, dark beach in the middle of the night. And Peter says, oh, I'm going to go fishing. And, and oddly enough, there's only seven of the disciples there. That wasn't all of them. So there's, now they're split up. And if you, don't, uh, if you remember the first time Peter saw Jesus, what was he doing? He was fishing. And that was the life he had been called out of. And if you remember at that point, there was a miraculous catch of fish for Peter. And so here we are, we find all these disciples back on a beach. Who knows, maybe they still had a boat, maybe they borrowed the boat, but they weren't in a good spot. Their teacher, their rabbi had, had been killed. There were, there were, their community was still out to get them, they were in hiding. But suddenly we find ourselves back on that beach. And so what's happened here? They caught nothing. You know what happened? Gravity. Gravity, all the crowds, the wise teaching of Christ, the miracles. You could feed 5,000 fish. Who needs fish? We just need to ask Jesus. He'll turn water into wine. Suddenly Jesus is gone. They had the call, but they were fighting gravity. And back to the beach they went to start fishing. So was it a calling interrupted? No. It was a future uncertain. It was a, I'm not certain what to do, Lord. When will we see him next? And we pick it up where we see him next, where they see him next. So they're, they're, they're now discouraged. They're coming in. And actually, they get about, it says about, about 100 yards from the shore, and, they, and 100 yards for sure. And Jesus calls out to them. He says, friends, haven't you any fish? Now, I don't know how many of you are fishermen. Kurt, you can back me up on this one. Coming back from a fishing trip where you have not caught a single fish, the worst question you can get from anybody is, did you catch anything? Right? Right? I remember when I, I, I would go out fishing when my kids were very young, and they would come running to the beach, right? And they'd Dad, did you catch anything? Did you catch anything? No, I didn't catch anything. Why? <laughs> well, if I knew that, I would. Well, Jesus knew that. Jesus knew he, they didn't catch anything. But he knew that, but he asked that. He said, he said okay, well, throw your net, net to the other side. And, and all, all of a sudden, you, you know in Peter's mind something, okay, wait a minute here. I recognize this. I recognize this. But maybe it's just a local, right? I know if I was fishing and hadn't caught anything, and a local from the beach said, did you, you didn't catch anything? Oh, no, no, you got to try over there. I'd be paddling over there so fast. And that's what Peter was doing. He puts, his, he puts the nets back in. And it says, when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Wait a minute. This sounds too familiar. This sounds too familiar. And it was. 
Because then John says, as, as he wrote, wrote here, he says, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. How, why did they recognize him like that? Well, friends, I don't want you to miss this because this is an exciting thing about life, looking, seeking the Holy Spirit's work, putting your putting yourself in the way of the hand of God. See, when you're part of something like a local body, you know how God works. Say you've been part of prayer ministry. You know when you ask for things and you see things happen that that's the way that God's worked. That's what they had here. They recognized what he was doing. And they said, that is our Lord. And Peter, being the impulsive guy, jumps out of the boat, starts swimming to shore. And, it, and they continue. It said, when they landed, they saw a, f- a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Well, he's got, he's got fish. How did he get fish? Well, it was no surprise to them, was it? It was no surprise because Jesus, he, he, he could command the wind and the waves. For him to multiply fish was nothing. And the disciples knew it. And they knew this was their Lord. He says, bring some fish you have caught. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? So God has provided a net full of fish. He says, bring those fish that you've caught. Bring the fish that you've caught. Yet he already had fish there. And so often, friends, I feel like God blesses us so much and he doesn't, he doesn't even ask us to give all of it. He says, no, no, I want you to give yourself away because I will provide for you. And even the stuff you do have, I'll give you more. I will give you more. And finally, he says, come and have breakfast. Meaning, I've provided for you. You know what? All those fish in your net, I already have it here for you. Come and have breakfast. I have a warm fire. And in an instant, they were thrust from being... alone, maybe a little bit desperate, maybe a little bit lost, a feeling of interruption. Suddenly they were back on the beach with their teacher, with their master, with their rabbi, and he had fed them. So all the things that had happened, it it, it had all vanished. The six, eight hours of fruitless fishing didn't matter anymore. It did not matter. And I I can only imagine that it would have felt so familiar to them and comforting. For the past three years, they had followed around. And even if they didn't really understand what Jesus was saying, at least they could just follow him to the next town to see what else would happen. Because they believed in him. And they knew this was something special. And so that's the story of the miraculous catch of fish, but if you read on in the chapter, I'd submit to you that that's actually not the point of this passage of Scripture. Because what happens after that is quite interesting. 
And I'll read it for you. And it's actually, in my Bible here, the heading says, Jesus reinstates Peter. It said, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? So he singles Peter out. He said, do you truly love me more than these? Meaning the other disciples. And Peter says, of course. And if you remember, Peter was the one who Jesus had told, you know, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. Again and again. He said, no, Lord, that won't ever happen. So he, he singles Peter out and he says, do you love me more than these? He said, yeah, of course I love you, Lord. Of course, of course, I'm sitting here. We're waiting for you. He said, well, then feed my lambs. Okay, okay, I, we, we get it. We, yes, we'll do that. Feed your lambs. And they were probably used to VJ, uh, VJ. <laughs> <laughs> They were probably to, uh, used to Jesus talking in uh, parables. <laughs> Freudian slip. And so this would be nothing new. But then Jesus says to Peter again, well, Peter, do you truly love me? Yes. And now Peter, Peter's thinking, oh, he knows. He knows that I denied him. He said, Lord, yes, yes, I truly love, I love you. He says, well, then take care of my sheep. And then he says again, Simon, son of John, which was his first name, do you love me? And it says, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. He said, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. That's what I want you to do. Why are you back here fishing? Is that what you're worried about, Peter? When I was here with you, we, we, we all gave ourselves away. Didn't you see what I was doing, Peter? I was giving myself away for people. It wasn't what we were giving. It was we were giving to people, my lambs, my sheep. They're still here. Maybe I'm not with you, but they're still here. And you're back here fighting gravity. And so what's Jesus saying to them and to us? He's simply saying this, friends. It isn't what you give. It's not how much you give. It's not the what at all. But it's the who. It's the who. Because once you have the who, the what becomes abundantly clear. It's not even a question. It's the who. And he's saying to the disciples and to Peter and to us, he's saying, follow me. He ends by saying to Peter, if you truly love me, then all I ask you to do is follow me, to do as I did, to give yourself away. And friends, that's what we're talking about today, the practice of putting others first. And there's something within us because we know that we bear that thumbprint of our creator. We know that we bear also the stain of sin and those two things fight against one another inside of us. And so what I want you to remember as we talk about things like um, being generous, 
or having people in your home or having good words for people. These are things that will not come easy and they will not, by coming, they will not come by simply drifting there. Because when in your life have you ever drifted in a good direction? You take your, your, your eyes off the prize, you take your hand off the wheel, do you ever end up somewhere actually where you want to be? Usually not. We are never accidentally generous. Although, if you came on a Mexico trip with me once, I gave a tip once, I had no idea what kind of money I was giving away, and when I saw the person's face light up like it was just something else, I thought, oh no! How much did I give him? We got really good service that, uh, that week. But there, there's something in your heart that goes, whoa, I shouldn't have given that much. How come? Why? Because we're worried, right? We're worried about, well, is there going to be enough left for me? What about me? And these are these two things, the thumbprint of your creator saying, no, this is good, you need to do this, you need to, you need to walk the earth as I walked it, give as I gave, give yourself away, and then you have that state of sin inside that says, no, but what about my car? Whatever it is for you. And so what I want to encourage you today with is that there are little steps that we can take. And... If you think about it more like training, not just trying, because we can try to be generous, but if you view it more as training, it's okay, you're, you're gonna miss the mark. You're absolutely gonna miss the mark. But you're gonna see glimpses of hope in your own life. And I wanna give you some practical ways to follow exactly what Jesus said to do. And Jesus was saying to us, are you worried about what? And what he was saying to Peter was, so are you worried about your body? Are you worried about what you're going to eat? Because I can, I, can, I can give that to you. I can do miracles. Are you worried about what they'll do to you as a person? Look what they did to me as a person. What happened to me? I was raised up because we conquered death on the cross. And Christ is saying those things to us today, friends. He's saying, is that what you're worried about? Are you worried about having enough food to eat? Are you worried about not being able to buy your next car? Because I can provide all those things because it isn't the what. It is definitely not the what, friends. It's the who. And the people that Jesus said is the who, well, you're looking at them. It's us. It's the people that you work with, the people that you go to school with. Those are Christ's sheep and lambs. And yet somehow, in between those two things, there's a disconnect. And that's that stain of sin saying, no, 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 no. There's so much more for me because I need it. I need it. So how do we do this, practically speaking? 
Well, let's talk about, let's talk about money. Let's get money out of the way, because I know you're waiting to hear what I'm going to say, say about money. And I'll just say this. When it comes to money and being generous with your money, actually, we're going to talk about three things, so I'll just get that out of the open. We're going to talk about being generous with your money. We're gonna be ta- we'll talk about gener- being generous with your time and being generous with your words. And you'll, you'll notice that matches the last three sermons in our series. And when we think about uh, money, what we do need to do is a little bit of rethinking. And uh, I, I come to you with these three topics not, having, not as being someone who has arrived uh, at any point in any of them. I've seen glimpses of these in my, lo- my life. And I, and I love when God shows them to me. I love when I recognize it, what God is doing. And so when we think about money, we need to do a little bit of a rethink saying, you know, actually the money that you get isn't all for you. The buck actually doesn't stop here. The buck stops where God wants it to stop, and I can guarantee you it doesn't, God does not want the buck to stop with you. You know, a generous person realizes that the money that they have, or the money that they're getting or going to get, is not all for their consumption. And I do, I do want to say that I, I, I owe a lot of my thinking about money to um, a couple of sermon uh, series that I listened to uh, in the past. We ran a video ser- sermon series from Andy Stanley called Lost, and I would highly recommend it. Also, there's a newer one called Crazy Like Us. And uh, if you listen to those, if you're uh, looking for some wise, just general financial principles. But in terms of us, we need to realize that this money, actually, this is just something that flows through us. We, we can use it. We can, we can buy good things with it. But God didn't mean for it to be the be-all and end-all and end with you. What he did mean it for was a tool for you and others. And so what I, wanted, what I want to go through today is, in terms of money, there's a couple of things you just need to, just to think about. First of all, we need to, with our rethinking it, we need to reorder it. So gravity will tell you with money, we're going, to, uh, we're going to spend. And then once we're done spending all of our money, we really should save something. And then uh, if we have anything that we don't think we need to save, like all of it, well, maybe then we can give some, right? That's gravity talking. Well, if you do a reorder of that, and you actually flip it on its ear, and you say, no, I'm going to give first, because a generous person picks a percentage first. And I'm not going to tell you what percentage. But they pick a percentage because in their mind they said, no matter what, I'm going to give this, I'm going to save something, and then I'm going to consume all the rest. And I don't need to feel guilty or worried about consuming the rest because I've done these things first. So after you've reordered that, you need to Make your plan, and you need to execute your plan. Now, the one thing is for sure, in my own life, Melissa and I have tried to live far back from that line of falling off the financial cliff. We've had some tight times in our, in our, our family's uh, life, 
And I've always said, you know, I don't want to be riding that edge so close. I want to give myself some margin. And so you need to give yourself margin. I'll give you an example. So uh, it's been a policy ever since we were married that when we get our tax return, we take a tithe from that tax return. We don't give it to the church. We, we, we pray about, is there someone in our life that, you know, that our heart breaks for, that needs some hope, that needs some lifting up? And we will give it to that person. And this year, we're, we are more financially stressed than ever. We decided we're going to renovate our kitchen, right? So this is the first time we've actually, okay, now we're, what's going on? And so this year, Melissa, being the faithful wife, she said, so wh- have you been praying? Who do you think we should give this to? I thought, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? Like, don't you just see what we're doing here? You see, friends, when we, when we don't have margin, it is so easy to go, no, 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 no. Kitchens are expensive. Like, how can we give this money away? But God is saying, no, no, don't worry about that. You have to be wise, but don't let it get in the way of your generosity. And so as we practice it, you need to make it a habit. You need to to make it non-negotiable. Melissa will turn the car around. She'll ask me five times, do you have the tithe? Do you have the tithe? If we're in the car, no, 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 no. Why? Because she knows in our family we give it first. And if we don't give it, we can get lazy. Which brings us to time. So we need to plan for our time. You know, one of the uh, ways of being generous with your time is to allocate your time in terms of people. And if you make up a budget, you need a budget for your time, just like you need a budget for your money. And if you make up a budget of time, be honest, you know, assign a name. What is it? What, who, who's involved in this time? And you'd be surprised to see how much of it, in my case, will actually say Tim. And it's okay for time if your budget says your own name. But the question is, how much of your budget says your own, has your own name attached to it? I recently, we purchased a thing called Circle. I don't know if you've heard of it. You can uh, filter your internet. You, all you do is plug it in internet filtering, it also tracks how much time you spend on certain things. And I was so happy that I was going to, we were going to call a family meeting and we're going to say, look at how much time we're spending on this. And I remember the first report that I got, I looked at it and I said, ha, whose device is this? Three hours on YouTube and, wait, that's, that's my phone. That's my phone. It's so humbling to see where we spend our time. Or when about six months ago, Melissa and I in our our marriage, just with the busyness of life, having teenagers and two full-time jobs, you really feel like two ships passing in the night. And we said, you know what? Uh, We don't like the way this is going. So every Monday night we carve out, we say Monday night is date night. It doesn't matter what what is happening, what's on fire. We're going to meet together on a date. And friends, that has been the single most joyful evening. And it's not even long. And sometimes, I got to tell you, sometimes we go to Montana's or whatever, whatever it is, and we pay $25 to have a fight in public. <laughs> but, but we're together. <laughs> hey, I'd rather have it out than flip through Instagram. You know what I'm saying? 
And so as we prioritize our time, you should always make sure time is more important than money. You never, never take a job that takes away more of your time for more money. Time is always more important than money. And lastly, some of your time should be spent serving somebody. A one-way relationship, something that, a relationship that, you know, you may not get anything out of. What you're going to get out of it is between you and God. And you'll see how that inclines your heart towards somebody, Jesus' sheep. And finally, perhaps the most important one. Words. I don't know if there's anything more powerful than a word of hope, encouragement, that you can speak into somebody's life. And you know, we're starved, just like we're starved for time in our lives, we are starved for that word from somebody of kindness. And you can try it, you can test it. Maybe you're thinking, you know, you know what, my, my words don't mean anything to anybody. I've, I've, that ship has sailed long ago. I want you to do an experiment. I want you to pick somebody that you're close to. Could be a family member, could be a, a best friend, whoever it is. And I want you to look them dead in the eye and say, you know, I, I want to tell you something that I, I really find amazing about you. And watch their pupils dilate. You know why? Because it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's why your performance review at work, you love it and you hate it at the same time. Because someone is talking directly about you. Maybe they're not saying what you agree with. But when it's someone you trust who is saying someone, something that you know they love you, it's something special. Because we should be lavishing our words. We should be generous with what we need to say. But instead, what do we do? We hold back. Maybe you're part of a culture or you're part of your family that never said, no one ever said, I love you. And oh, wouldn't it be something just to hear from your dad, I love you. And on Father's Day, fathers who are here, let me tell you, your family should know that you love them. Think back, when's the last time you said those words? You looked them right in the eye, you said, I love you. Not attached to anything, not bringing things back to zero. Oh, they're back on the straight and narrow. Oh, I love you. No. Whatever's happening, I love you. I know in my home, my girls know I love them. They might hate it that I say it so often, but I don't mind. I don't mind. And I want to leave you this, with this one story, just the, the power of words in someone's life. Melissa's uh, love language is words of affirmation. I know that. And I'm not good at it. I'm just not good at it. One Christmas uh, recently, things were a little bit tight on the, on the, on the budget, and we said, okay, we're not going to give each other gifts. We'll get the kids gifts, but we're not going to give each other gifts. I thought, what are we going to do? What, how, how can I make this a special Christmas? Well, I know she likes kind words. So I said, well, I'm going to tell her and I remember we had had a fight, and she said to me when she said, you know, sometimes I don't even know if you like me right now. I said, well, where did that come from? I'm, not, I'm obviously not saying, well, I'm going to tell her. I'm going to tell her all the things that I love about her. And I, like, I'm pretty sure I can think of 10. So you're right, I wrote down 10. I said, well, that's not enough. 
Well, it's got to be 20. I'm going to write down 20. So this thing's getting longer now. is not enough. I'm going to write down 50, 50 things that I love about my wife. And it's hard, right? Once you get past, I like your smile, I like your eyes, I like, you know, <laughs> it gets hard. But you know what? When I started thinking all the things actually I love about my wife, what I love to come home to, it was easy. And I actually got to 100 things. And so I gave it to her. And of course, gave her on, on crisp, she starts to cry. I'm crying, she's crying, the kids are tearing up. What is it that means so much about that? It's, it is a personal word, a generous word from somebody generously lavishing words on you. And you know what the most amazing thing is? I got one back from her. And I cried just as much. But you know what's even more incredible? I got one from one of my kids, a hundred things. Could you imagine from that one gesture, which I thought maybe wasn't going to be a big deal, it was going to be 10 things. Suddenly, generosity is unleashed. So friends, and I'll call the worship team up, as you think about giving yourself away, I encourage you to think about these three topics that we just talked about. Pick one. Pick one thing and, and train. Try a little thing. If, it's, if, it's, if money is your thing that gravity works the hardest, choose that. If time is the thing, if you constantly say, oh, I don't have time for that and I don't have time for those people and it, it, I just need to sit on the couch and try that. Or if you haven't said I love you to someone in the past little while, try that. Do you receive that today, church? Amen.